Live from New York, it's Ask This Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada the Engineer, with me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control and behind the scenes, getting everything going. I could not do it without him. Uh, we got an exciting show for you tonight. So much news and updates. It's hot, so why don't you just stay inside, get yourself an ice cold glass of water or other favorite beverage, and hang out with us for the next 55 minutes or so as we go through all the news in the maker, hacker, engineer, coder and creative communities that we are part of. That's right. We've got discounts, videos, new products, and more. Mr. Lady Ada, why don't you tell them what's on tonight's show? On tonight's show, the code is EXPANDER, 10% off the native fruit store all the way up to 11.59 p.m. Use this code, get free stuff on the way out, save 10% and more. We'll be talking about some of our live shows, including Show & Tell, we just did a few moments ago. Do a little bit of time travel, look around the world of makers, hackers, artists, engineers, news that's going on, and more from the mailbag, which is a slightly uh, merged combination of uh, chip shortage, because uh, we're going to be talking about that. We got some main New York City factory footage from the advanced manufacturing factory called Adafruit. We got some 3D printing. We got Iron MPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. This week is Ablick. Got some new products. We got some top secret. We're gonna answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Please hang out there and um, ask your questions here. We get to them at the end of the show. Discord, Discord, Discord. Discord is the way, because there's five different places the video's going and the chat can only be in one spot for us to see. Join all 35,000 of us. We just hit 35,000 people in the Discord. It is a fun 24 seven maker hacker space that everyone is welcome to, including this show. All that and more on Ask an Engineer. Okay, so let's uh, pay some bills to fund these skills. The code is expander. Um, Lady Ada, when people check out in the uh, Adafruit store, they get free stuff. What do they get? We have all the freebies back. We're so excited to be back to our quad freebie selection. $99 or more, you get a Perma Proto half size breadboard PCB, gold plate with uh, beautiful silk screen design. Uh, 149 or more, you get a free KB2040. Uh, this is a full microcontroller with eight megabytes of flash and tons of RAM, stem QT, um, button, USB-C, it's castellated, it's pro micro shaped. Uh, it's great for any kind of microcontroller programming and you can uh, you get it free with your order when you order from Adafruit. 199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. And uh, back by popular demand, plus we actually got some boards made because we have parts that came in. Uh, Circuit Playground Express is back, $2.99 or more. You get our favorite uh, low-cost, all-in-one development platform. Um, the price of it has not risen 10%. It's the same as before, <laughs> but you also get it free yeah. with your order. Uh, LED sensors and more, you can code it in CircuitPython, MakeCode, Code.org, um, Arduino, and many other languages. It's a very well-supported chipset and development board. Okay, and a reminder, make sure you make an account on adafruit.com, you verify your email, and then you set up two-factor authentication, especially if you want to buy a Raspberry Pi. Usually Wednesday, Thursdays, we do a drop of Raspberry Pis. They're pretty rare, they're pretty scarce right now. We only allow one per customer, and you have to have an authenticated account that's been keeping away the folks that were buying them and selling them on places like eBay for like 500 bucks, stuff like that. Um, we've managed to turn the tide with that. Um, those folks aren't that happy, but their loss is your gain, so we have more Raspberry Pis that we're able to sell. So please do that. We do a bunch of live shows um, every single week. We do live shows. We and do live shows? Yeah. We, we don't do filming? <laughs> yeah, we just we did the show and tell. And uh, this one was jam-packed, so make sure you go check it out on oh any of the places goodness. we publish videos. But I, I just, it's always hard to pick a project, but I think I'm going to just say uh, the highlight this week is if you want to get a free Python-powered tablet, you got to check out the With project. It's like a seven-inch capacitor. Yeah, screen. we're going to be sweet. giving away some in combination and uh, friendship with um, uh, K March, K Match, and Joey, and that'll be part of CircuitPython Day. So really neat uh, demos tonight too. You could see like multi-touch on these things, and these are basically heading towards the the trash heap. But uh, now they have a whole new life, and they're running Python, CircuitPython specifically. So check it out. Um, on Sundays, we do Desk of Lady Ada. This week, um, we did something a little bit different because uh, we were showing, uh, well, Lamar's 
sisters were in town, so we, we went to a museum. Um, so we, we decided just to do the um, Great Search. So um, we didn't have the entire time to do all of Desk of Lady Ada, but we did fulfill our promise to help you find all the things on digikey.com. What was the great search this week? Okay, this week's great search was, um, you know, we use the APX803 in so many of our boards as an auto reset uh, power monitor circuit chip. Um, it's a wonderful chip, um, but it's not recommended for new designs. And uh, it's out of stock at Digikey. And we have some on order and we're gonna get some, but I have to be ready to, to swap in an alternative. So we looked for some alternatives and the big challenge is uh, trying to get something with the same um, trigger voltage and also getting something with the same pinout. And it's, it's tough because a lot of chips look like they're compatible, but they actually use a slightly different pinout. So I found two options. Um, but you know, if you if you're one of the many people who bases your hardware off of Adafruit hardware, you're going to notice that some of the parts that we've used uh, traditionally are no longer available because of the yeah. chip shortage. Watch this other video uh, to learn how to adapt your design. Okay, and then we have uh, JP's product pick of the week. Um, that's where we broadcast live from inside the product page. So this week's product pick, JP, take it away. My product pick of the week this week is the Minty Boost Kit version 3. So this is a USB 5 volt source that you can use to charge things like your phone or an iPod or your Zune player or who knows what uh, using just some common AA batteries. You get the custom PCB, you get the, the boost converter that takes your battery power, whatever it is, 2-3 volts, and boosts it up to 5 volts. We have some uh, capacitors a inductor coil, a couple small caps, and some resistors and a diode. These resistors are used to let an Apple device in particular know that it's okay to charge. Plug this in and you watch the uh, charge up there at the top. When I plug that in, you can see it is now charging. So even though this is a super modern device, uh, it is able to charge from the Minty Boost, no problem. It is the Minty Boost Kit version three. Okay, and don't forget on Thursday there is JP's workshop. You can check that out tomorrow. And then during that time, we have the CircuitPython Parsec with JP, and you'll be able to learn a little bit more about CircuitPython, including some of the projects that you probably saw on the socials. Um, Friday, we have Deep Dive with Tim. This is where you can see the innards of CircuitPython. This is Fridays at 2 Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. And um, with the current promotions that we're doing around CircuitPython Day, by promotions I mean just like, hey, come by CircuitPython Day, um, you'll be able to um, probably, if you're lucky, get one of these CircuitPython power tablets. So check out Tim's Free. Um, show this, uh, this week at Friday, because um, that's when we'll have more information about that. All right, time travel. Uh, a little bit of a reminder for time travel. We usually talk about Adabox. We're still trying to ship them in August. We had originally wanted to ship our winter one in winter, but then winter turned into spring, and then spring turned into summer, and summer is now, and it's hot out. It's hot. And, That's uh, why there's a sun. It's technically a heat wave in New York right now because it's three days in a row of over 90 degrees. Yeah. And it looks like it's a scorcher. Stay cool, everybody. Yeah, so... Um, we're going to continue to try to get this Adabox out. We, um, well, I'll talk about some of the chip shortage stuff soon. Um, we're making headway in it, but this is a, you know, problem that everyone's going through. So thank you everyone who's been patient and understanding. Um, you know, especially if you're like, hey, I really want an Adabox. We really want to ship these Adaboxes as well. So speaking of. Okay, so this week's a little bit different. So we don't have a chip shortage video um, or segment this week. So we're, I'm just going to read. I thought this was kind of funny. Um, so in the news, of course, and all the um, places like Hacker News and Slashdot and like other places, um, people the kids, are... The kids don't know what Slashdot is. Yeah, some of them <laughs> do. Uh, you know, it's probably good they don't. Um, I, this is just a pull quote from um, people are saying, oh, you know, all these engineers are freaking out and the world's melting down and um, there's no chips. Um, but we were kind of singled out, and they said it's gotten so bad that influencers are using cloud to beg for chips. And then they link to That's our, right. our our part shortage uh, our series. And, and it then, works. 
Well, I, I thought there was a couple things that were interesting. One, uh, you've been reduced down to being an influencer. And uh, would it be great if like all these like YouTube and Snapchat influencers were begging for computer chips? They're actually not. Um, they're doing other stuff. It's just us. But, um, you know, it, it, we don't really have clout. We just accurately describe what's going on. And uh, that being said, we do beg for chips. Um, and we're getting some chips in, but we do like to talk about what's going on. And I think sometimes when you see um, people say, hey, you know, you're, you're doing this and you're doing that, it's because they can't imagine having to do this. Um, you know, every single day we work a lot. And I spend like two hours a day on chip it, shortage stuff, yeah. just trying to find alternatives and redesigning boards. And, and it's like pretty exciting. And but I'm also a little tired of it. I think it's funny. You know, it, it is it's funny to be like dunked on like, oh, look at these like influencers using their cloud to bake for chips. Um, but we have a big mission and that's to get electronics and learning out to a lot of people. And so no stone shall be unturned. Um, we will do everything. And I think it's important to look back in time one day and say, well, what was happening during that chip shortage? I and mean, we can point to each one of these videos and we could say, here's what we ordered, here's how long it took. Um, and this is genuine, this is the real thing. This isn't, you know, we're not newscasters, we're um, right before the show. We we're influencers. Were, yeah. <laughs> no, we're real people that we work in an electronics factory. And, um, you know, we get asked all the time um, to quotes for the press and, you know, they don't use them uh, often because we're, I think we're just gritty, boring people that um, are really doing this for a living. And so um, we don't have uh, really any other advantages other than uh, being as transparent and showing everything real time for all of you. So um, influencer using their clouds to beg for tips. So we'll have another chip shortage video. Successfully. But one of the things that folks said was, um, yeah, uh, that video series is really neat. That song is stuck in my head. And so I'm going to play it. Yeah, if you think that Love song it. stuck in your head, that's our life. Um, all right, so let's do some Python on hardware. Okay, it is Python on hardware time. Um, there's a lot going on in the world of CircuitPython, so I'm going to start off with that. Um, next month, August 19th, we are once again celebrating CircuitPython Day. We have an entire day's worth of activity. It's Friday. August 19th, we'll have stuff going on all during the day. We'll have show and tells, we'll have giveaways. Um, tune into all of the shows between now and then, and you'll get a chance to probably win one of those CircuitPython tablets. Um, and then we have a full day of uh, folks who are just doing cool stuff with Python on hardware. And so that'll be our CircuitPython day coming up. Um, sort of big news, I think, anyways, because um, this is always interesting. This is the lead story in the newsletter, the Pi5 RISC-V ASICS project. And this is an open source hardware chip, and um, they're making a community-driven, well, they're, where they're describing it, is a community-driven RISC-V-based microcontroller with the ability to easily support CircuitPython and MicroPython. So, Lady Ada, you know a little bit about these things. Why is this interesting, and is this the future of uh, chip development? It could be. Um, this is interesting because, uh, well, it's interesting for two reasons. One, RISC-V is a microcontroller architecture that has gotten a lot of attention lately because um, it's starting to be picked up by big in industry um, partners like Western Digital, um, is you know makes chips with uh, Risk Five and, and High Five does as well, and a couple other companies, um, e Espresso, ESP, uh, and there's some a bunch of other chip companies that are making Risk Five cores, and um, especially pairing them with machine learning and AI stuff, and you know usually with free cores people do stuff like an 8051, which is an 8-bit microcontroller, maybe you get expanded to 16. But the RISC-V is like a true, like complete RISC architecture chip. It's 32-bit, it's quite advanced, it's got a full instruction set, and it's completely free. Um, no royalties required, unlike the ARM Cortex series. And so, you know, even though the RP2040 isn't like explicitly designed for use with CircuitPython and MicroPython, um, there's a lot of design decisions they made that do make it a really great uh, embedded Python chip. And so it's interesting to see um, you know, that's a dual core Cortex-M0. It's interesting to see, can we make 
true, fully open source hardware that can run um, interpreted languages. And you know, I think people have um, come up with uh, theoretical designs for the RISC-V, but I think they're actually going to try to manufacture and ship a chip uh, that is, is specifically designed for, I mean, of course, they'll be able to run other languages, but designed for running high-level languages um, using a fully open source from top to bottom so core. So theoretically, this could be one of the first truly open source hardware-like uh, laptops. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, like back in the day, there was Transmeta and like there was a lot of things for the, the old timers. Um, but this is an open source hardware chip. It could run open source software like CircuitPython and it's an interpreted language like Python and the full stack from hardware to software could be open source. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I mean, the tough part is the peripherals, um, but you know, if they've got the time and you can't get chips, you might as well sit down and do them. Yeah. Uh, it could be really, it could be very neat. I think, I think it's interesting that they're deciding, you know, let's, let's try to support um, MicroPython or uh, CircuitPython. I know that there's, I think the FOMU is an FPGA that supports that runs a RISC-V core that runs Python, so it could be, or maybe it's the SOMU, I don't remember, There's a, they're very similarly named. Um, but it, I think this is really neat, so uh, check it out. I think okay. they're doing some fundraising right now. All right, um, so uh, you can check it out on GroupGets, and also you can watch the progress on Hackster. Banana um, for scale. Raspberry Pi stuff made some RP2040 lightsabers. They use uh, Featherwing, CircuitPython, some 3D printing. Um, we have some Pico add-ons. We're calling those bells. If you saw our video last week, we debuted cowbells, um, and you could see some of the logos and a little bit of the story behind you it. We need a song. We've got cowbells. <laughs> There's ding, 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 more cowbell. Uh, I got a fever that only be cured by some more Raspberry Pi Pico Pi bells. Um, and uh, you can check out the rest of the newsletter um, with a gigantic, massive amount of projects. Uh, one of the bits of uh, kudos we got that someone said is they called us a fair broker because we celebrate and have all types of Python on hardware, not just CircuitPython, not just MicroPython, not just desktop Python, but whatever people are putting Python on, um, and there's you know a few different ways to do that on devices, and we you know we've written about this before. Um, but all the projects. So if you're doing something in MicroPython, totally okay. If you're doing CircuitPython, it's fine. If you're doing some neat thing on desktop that has some type of interaction uh, with hardware. Um, Throw it in. S send it over to us. We deliver this newsletter every single week into your inbox. Um, you no can ads. also always check it out on the website if you don't want to subscribe. And that's over on adafruitdaily.com. It's a completely separate site because we don't like to mix up things like your store account and then stuff that you just want to read. So we decided to make a whole separate site, adafruitdaily.com, and that's just for newsletters. We don't spam, we don't market, we don't harvest any emails anywhere, anytime, but we wanted to go above and beyond and show that. Okay, we're an open source hardware company, and one of the things that we like to do is we uh, really like uh, tiny hot plates. Now, um, <laughs> one of the things that we like to do is support other open source projects and developers and so um, we have a guide on our website, which is kind of cool. And this guide, um, it says Anne, but Anne got the content from the folks that are working on the Iron OS um, firmware. It's this open source firmware that you can install on a mini hot plate. And uh, if you're wondering how mini the mini hot plate is, that's how small it's it is. It's so small. And so um, what we said was, hey, like, do you want to do a guide around this? And can we pay you for it? Um, because we saw people putting this uh, custom firmware on these soldering irons and then also these hot plates. And they said, yeah. And uh, they said, hey, can you help support this project? So we donated directly to the developer. And the reason I'm putting this in the notes and everything is it doesn't matter if you just donate 10 bucks or five bucks, or let's say you can't even afford that. Email the developers and say, hey, thanks. I use this open source. I really appreciate it. Because they don't usually get emails like that. They usually get pushy emails demanding People are being mean. They're saying, oh, like, I need you to support this. Uh, I have this other thing. Um, why won't you just? Why won't you just? And I've never been treated like this before after being a jerk and demanding things. So, um, you know, it's really hard to put your heart and soul into code and open source and um, not get a lot of uh, watering of the flowers <laughs> is the best way I can describe it. And, and if Do not step on flour. Yeah, and, and if we want to see more open source and we want to see more cool projects, uh, at least send an email. But if you can just, you know, GitHub sponsors is available now. But this is a really cool project and people are able to do more stuff. So um, 
the the thing that we can do is one um, support the developers behind it, but the other thing we could do is tell all of you about it, and then you could tell other people about it, and then you could say, hey, you like I noticed you do that you, you like that open source project, or if like if it's comments online or if it's on Twitter, oh cool, you use that open source project. Hey, here's a link to the um, developer page where they're looking for support. You know, you don't have to dunk them, shame them, and say like, oh, how dare you don't support anybody? Because I, I don't think that works um, that well. I think it's like, hey, here's a way to support them because it sounds like you like that. And you can get, and you can see more things like that in the world. So anyways, um, that's why I wanted to put it in here this week. Okay, uh, more open source hardware. Um, this is kind of cool, Lady Ada. There is this another, yet another site where you put in a person's uh, username and it builds a city of their GitHub. Oh, funny. So this is yours. So this is the year so far. Yeah. And it's, it's, only it's GitHub through. City. And you GitHub put and city. you put in your you put in your username and then it starts to build a 3D model okay. of uh, all your uh, pull requests. Yeah. And contributions. Yeah. And that's Lady Ada City. Oh, I like that we have a little like air population. Yeah, yeah. A little like uh, air power. There's a mountain. Yeah. There's a beach. All right. Okay. Adafruitville. That was from the chat. Okay, and then, uh, you know... Pull request built this town? I don't know. Yeah, and uh, to, to prove we uh, are an open source company, not only do we have the open source software, the hardware, but we have tiny heads that we squish We squish. I'm crashing your head. Yeah, so this week's guides, we have a lot of fun stuff. Um, take it away, Lady Ada from the big board. Okay, so... Oh, my goodness, what did we do? Okay, so the ESP32 S3 Feather Guide... Uh, got a whippersnapper quick start page, so check that out. We've been, Katni's been helping out Brent. We're adding that to all of our ESP boards. Um, don't forget, if you have um, a board that uses the ESP32, uh, C3, S2, S3, or the original, or the 8266, uh, whippersnapper can support it, and um, you can submit a pull request to a JSON file that defines all the pins uh, and the name and an image and stuff, and we can support your board as well. Uh, the MCP 9808 Precision I squared C temperature guide also got a whippersnapper starting page. Uh, we're trying to add some quick start pages. We have a lot of people who don't realize that we have a no code way for people to do data logging um, and our IoT service. And since so many boards these days come with built in um, Wi Fi, you know, especially like the Pico W, which yeah. we're going to work on adding next, um, it's really great. It's like instead of data logging to an SD card, you can just data log to the cloud, uh, which is our computer. Um, next up from known Pedro, we've got a video that goes with this. Um, you saw this Hasbro's has a as a system that you pay for to create 3D yeah. printed action figure selfies. But what if you could do it yourself using the 3D printer you already own? So that actually looks like knowing. And, and one other thing about this, um, we mentioned this on Show and Tell, and um, you'll see this in the video in the 3D printing section. Yeah. But um, the new Thor movie has Natalie Portman as like a Thor like thing, and yeah. uh, Pedro was talking about this that I guess a dad and a daughter was in a toy store and they were looking for that that action figure of a, uh, you know, Thor-like Lady woman. Lady Thor, yeah. Lady Thor, and it didn't exist. The Mighty Thor. And so, you know, if you're especially a younger person and you don't see an action figure like you, it's kind of hard to imagine being that hero. So um, I think they're fixing it. You know, Hasbro's trying to do this thing with some of the brands and, you know, Disney's doing stuff and, has, you know, there's a lot of things going on, but why wait? Um, you can do this now, and if you have a phone, you can take uh, photos. We show what app to use, and then you can uh, either find someone with a 3D printer, go to a makerspace, send it off, and then you can take that little head and put it in the action figure. So you can make one of yourself. You can make one of that young kid who doesn't see an action figure that kind of looks like them, um, and then they can become that hero. So it's kind of a cool thing. So we saw this, and we moved really fast on it because we're like, oh, that doesn't exist yet. The movie's out, but that doesn't exist. So we can make that. I thought that was cool. Yeah. All right, what else you got? Um, next up from Liz, she wrote up a full guide on using the NAU7802. This is our strain gauge amplifier, which can be used for creating DIY scales. Um, I thought it'd be cool to make a scale that fits, um, you know, an existing uh, like Tupperware type thing, and it has mm. a nice seven segment display. Um, the next step is going to be internetifying this to make it. Uh, compatible with an online IoT service, so that'll be kind of cool, and then you can have like alerts come to you. Um, but weighing things is a really common thing uh, for sensing. You want to, you know, if you can't measure how much water is in something, you can, you know, from height um, or depth, you can maybe weigh the whole thing and it'll tell you um, how much material is in there. Uh, so in this case, it's uh, cat kibble. 
Yeah. Okay. And uh, now it's time for some uh, factory footage. See you on the other side. And it wouldn't be Main York City factory footage without a time lapse of the Disney. Speaking of uh, Disney, um, this is the second story. Second, now they're second yeah, they're building. It's going. This is where your Disney Plus subscription money goes. Yep. It's building this tower across from Medford. Yep. All right, three D printing. So uh, we talked about that video. That we have. Yeah. The Noam Pedro did of the action figures with print your own face on it, kid's face, other person's face. The whole idea is be that superhero you want to see in that world. And if they don't make one, no problem. You can make it. So we'll play that and then the speed up and we'll see you on the other side. Hey, what's up, folks? In this project, we're 3D printing selfie action figures. You can 3D scan your family members to make modified action figures. We scanned our heads and added a ball socket so we can snap fit onto existing action figures. These are printed in flexible filament and feature painted details like the eyes and hair. The built-in ball socket allows for articulation so you can pose your selfie action figures and have fun playing with them. These were a hit with the kids and we think these will make a great gift for the whole family. Most action figures feature removable parts and feature a ball joint for their heads. These aren't standard size, so you'll need to use calipers to measure the diameter of the ball joints. We used our phone to capture different angles of our head using the Polycam app for iOS. Check out the guide on the Adafruit Learning System for a full step-by-step -step tutorial. To capture a good scan, you'll want to get photos underneath the chin and the top of the head. Your subject will need to remain very still, so patience is really important. Also avoid wearing glasses, hats, or anything reflective. Once you capture a decent scan, you can export an OBJ file and import that into your preferred CAD program. We used Tinkercad to create a watertight mesh for 3D printing. Importing 3D scans into Tinkercad automatically closes any holes and repairs the mesh. We used the primitive cube as a hole to cut away at the model, leaving just the head. Position your cut right below the chin to avoid having to use support material. Our ball socket is made up of two perimeters and joined together. These can be resized to fit the ball joint in your action figure. Position it right underneath the neck and combine the objects to create a ready-to-print scan. To bring out the details, you can paint on features using a dry brushing technique using various pigments. A fine pointed brush or toothpick can be used to add on small details like eyebrows and pupils. 
You can also mix different colors to match the character's bodily features. We printed several copies so that we could experiment with different pigments and painting techniques. We were really surprised how well these turned out with just hobbyist 3D printers. We hope this inspires you to try 3D scanning and making your own selfie action figures. Thank you so much for watching and be sure to subscribe for more projects from Adafruit. And you can make all this stuff or learn how to make all this stuff on 3D Hangouts every single Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time with Noah and Pedro, the longest running live 3D printing show on the planet. Okay, um, before we go over to INMPI, Lady Ada, the code is expander this week. 10% off in the native fruit store all the way up to 11.59 p.m. Let's uh, do some INMPI. Hi, INMPI. All right, this week's Eye on MPI is from Ablick. What do they make? What do they do? What's a new product? I'm glad it's, I've never, I think this is our first time uh, showing on an Ablick or a, a Stay tuned, they got a cool, they they a cool video. The you're video's gonna, pretty you're cool. You're gonna like this. Um, so this is a Japanese IC company. They make a lot of timer chips, low cost chips, um, RTCs, automotive stuff. Uh, we've never highlighted their stuff before, but I'm excited uh, to show off something which I was actually looking for anyways uh, when I searched on digikey.com slash new um, somebody that asked for a chip like this um, and th this popped up and I was like, oh my goodness, it's what a good coincidence. I'm going to show it off. So this is the S, sorry, S35, 7, 10, uh, and 20 series of um, ultra low power timer chips. Um, these are very interesting ICs that are designed uh, specifically to uh, be programmable with different wake up times. Um, and they use an extraordinarily low amount of current, uh, up as low as 0.2 microamps or 0.5 microamps of current. Um, the one in particular I'm looking at is the uh, 35710 series, which is the, the amount of time it goes to sleep for before it wakes up um, is programmable over I squared C, which means that you can really set um, a very wide range of, of times from like one second to almost half a year. Uh, compare that to you know what we've used before like the TPL 511 and uh, 5110 series um, which you have to use a resistor and it's a little tougher to use um, this timer I see looks very simple and I like that of course it's uh, fully programmable over I squared C uh, okay and it has a wide uh, voltage range uh, so basically um, what this is useful for is you know if you have um, you know, microcontroller boards like, you know, the original Arduino Uno um, or, or other boards that were designed um, early or they're not designed for low power um, because they're using, say, uh, you know, a 7805 regulator and just the quiescent current on the regulator, not even including any of the other LEDs or buttons or chips or whatever is already, you know, six plus milliamps. Um, you know, and you want to use this, you have your design and you want to turn it into a low power design, you may not be able to without like hot airing or desoldering components and replacing them. It might be actually harder um, than just adding a separate circuit to, to do the low power part. And um, 
Also, you know, specific, you know it, historically with especially maker and dev boards, they weren't really designed to be used in final products or projects. They were kind of meant for prototyping and then you'd go and design your own custom board and you'd, you know, if low power was important to you, you would um, pick the more expensive components as necessary. Um, but we're, what we're seeing is a lot of people are using off the shelf boards like, uh, you know, let's say you're using um, one of our Feather ESP32s, even though the ESP32 um, V2 Feather here, you know, and that this chip, the ESP32, is a low power chip. It can go down um, as little as, you know, 170 microamperes. Um, but you might want something lower power than that. You know, maybe you do want to get down to that one microampere or less. Or let's say you're using a dev board that's low cost and available, like the Pico W. Um, well, the RP2040 is, um, you know, even in, in uh, dormant or sleep mode, it uses, you know, um, let's see, the typical current there is about 0.2 milliamps, which again is, is a lot higher than a few microamps. And, you know, historically, again, this didn't matter as much. A lot of people were just happy to power something over USB or DC power. But then as people are doing more IoT projects or sensor nodes, there is this desire to, you know, sleep for a few minutes, wake up, take a temperature me measurement or, or look for a command. Um, send the data over cellular or Wi-Fi and then go back to sleep. Um, so, you know, this, this circuit, you know, this, this diagram shows specifically for this Ablic IC, but the overall idea is, is pretty common. And we see this with, especially the ESP32S, um, sorry, the ESP32 series, where you go into deep sleep for a few minutes, then wake up, uh, fetch data, see if something's changed, um, you know, activate a, a sensor or, um, a servo or a motor or whatever, uh, but you're not constantly checking, you're, you're, you're taking advantage of being in this ultra deep sleep mode. Um, so that's where this chip comes in. So this, this timer series I see, you know, instead of having your regulator and your microcontroller manage your deep sleep mode and then automatically wake up and you have like, a, you know, this core that could be taking, I mean, this is a low, this example here shows a one microampere uh, you know, an STM32 or whatever, but even one microampere is extremely low for most microcontrollers. It's it's often tough to get less than, um, with a regulator especially, less than like 50 or, or even 10 microamperes. Um, but with this chip, you know, you might be able to get under, um, you know, 0.3 microamperes total. And, you know, in this case, I even show with an LDO, um, but because this chip runs from two to five volts, you might not even need an LDO. I think if you're running off of a LiPo battery or a couple double A's, um, you can have the timer IC run directly from uh, your battery power, um, you know, basically having almost no current. And if your sleep times are very, very long, if they're, you know, minutes or, or days or hours, um, this will let you run off a battery even longer than, uh, you know, maybe five times as long as you would by using the built-in microcontroller's deep sleep. Uh, so this is the block diagram. So how it works is you, you do have to get a crystal, um, a 32 kilohertz crystal connected to the X in and X out. You power it with VDD and VSS. Um, there is the I squared C connection. And again, that's how you tell it how long you want the delay to be. Um, when you toggle the reset pin, it will start from zero, start counting up one per second. It has a 24 bit timer um, when it, when the timer matches the counter that you set, um, the int pin goes low and that would enable your regulator or fire an interrupt or reset something, whatever necessary. And then um, your microcontroller would do whatever it needs to. And then when it's ready, it would um, toggle that reset pin low. And when the reset pin goes low, uh, int will go back high. It'll shut down the rest of the circuit uh, and start counting again. So, you know, you, you, you know, you basically, you trigger the interrupt pin on um, the, the set timeout, and then you wait for the microcontroller to tell the chip, okay, I'm done computing whatever tasks. Um, I'm gonna go, you know, put me back to sleep and wake me up in, you know, whatever, 60 seconds or five days. Uh, there's also a version of this chip uh, that comes with a crystal built in. So there's two, um, two packages. There's like the MSOP package, which is low cost, about a dollar. And then there's the version with the crystal. It's a little bit more expensive because it's got a crystal bonded in. Um, but you know, you might want that for convenience. So you don't have to wire up a separate crystal. Um, otherwise the circuitry inside is otherwise identical other than the, the crystal. Uh, this just shows the block diagram for the version, 
Uh, the M series version, again, with crystal built in, you can see the quartz crystals just bonded in the package. Otherwise though, it functions the same. Um, there's also another version of the circuit. So the I squared C version of this chip, again, you have a 24 bit counter to the 24 seconds is 194 days. So you just tell them how many seconds you want it to be in this ultra deep sleep. There's also the uh, 35720, um, which has two, instead of I squared C, it has two GPIO and you can just like, you can um, patch those high or low, you see on the bottom right there, for one 10, 30 or 60 second delays. So if you, if you don't need very long delays, if one of those times is, is those amount of times is good enough for you, um, you don't have to do the I squared C stuff. Uh, it'll just automatically do it um, based on whatever the pins are strapped to. Um, as mentioned, uh, the current consumption is ultra, ultra low, uh, you know, because there's no microcontroller core, it's just like a counter basically. Uh, it gets down to as low as uh, 0.2 uh, microamperes, um, you know, if using a uh, six picofarad load capacitor, you know, max is maybe 0.5 microamperes. So, so ultra, ultra low consumption, um, nothing's going to beat it. And if you're tired of trying to optimize the rest of your circuit, you can throw this in for, or you're using modules that you can't change the regulators, you can't change the chips, or maybe the chip you want is unavailable because of chip shortage, toss this in and it'll solve your low power problem. Um, for I squared C, it's pretty simple. There's basically, you can uh, read the time register against this counter that, that counts up over time. And then you've got a matching wake up time register that you write. Um, when those match up, the reset occurs. So I like the I squared C version. You know, I'll probably just make a breakout with an external crystal, um, but very promising. You know, I love the, the TPL series. A lot of times people are like, I wanna make something low power and I'm, and I'm struggling and I'm struggling. And I'm just like, you know what? Just, just add an external timer chip and it'll do everything for you. Available on DigiKey and uh, it's in stock. And that's right, you can actually get it. And that's, that's one of the challenges with Ion MPI. We wanna make sure if we're gonna uh, get excited, get you excited, get everyone excited use some of these things in your projects that's available and uh, special treat they have a really cool video so we're just gonna play it
You didn't see that right. coming. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny. There, there's a lot of cool companies out there that make amazing uh, chips, and they have amazing marketing. Like, that is, like, That's kind of cool. our style. Like, we have our own album, too. So I'm hoping one day maybe there could be some type of uh, Chipapalooza where all the electronic bands can get together. I just like that they didn't have, like, the standard, like, at Ablek, we, we invent the future by innovating innovate. the past. We, it's like, okay. We innovate by the innovators yeah. for innovating. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's uh, make sure folks know the code. And then let's uh, do some new products. Codes Expander, and uh, you ready, Lady Anna? Yep. All right. So, it was a catchy um, tune. It was good. Um, so first up, um, it's not a new product. It's just a back in stock, back which is just stock. as important. Uh, we got the Microbit bundles. Microbit V2 Go bundles. We got a shipment of them. We, I think we still have some in stock. We do. We do have a limit of five per customer because um, Educator has been waiting for these for a really long time. A lot of them switch over circuit uh, playgrounds, but that's okay. We have these if you want them. Pick them up. Next up. Okay, we've got two of these ultra skinny uh, UTP cables. Um, so, you know, these will work for Cat5 use with Ethernet, like gigabit Ethernet or 100 megabit Ethernet. But um, I'd also know people tend to use these RJ45 connectors for uh, DIY projects when they have to, like, you know, get eight NeoPixel signals over from one side to the other. And so um, wanted to have these ultra skinny cables. Uh, you know, of course, the connectors are still kind of chunky, but the cables themselves are only um, three millimeters. And if you're okay with not having you know full metal shielding on um, the cable jacket, then um, these will fit around and curve through your project much more easily. Uh, so we have these in both uh, a one meter and one foot length. Okay, next up. Next up, get some old projects with an uh, RS-232 connector on them. Uh, we now have an FTDI cable that has USB-C on one end and uh, RS-232 on the other. Inside is an FTDI FT-232RL cable plus a um, level shifter converter slash uh, charge pump that will take the five volt signal and convert it to plus minus 10 volts. Um, some lower cost cables don't give you the full plus or minus. They only go from like zero to 10 and it'll work sometimes, but this one actually goes from negative at least six to positive at least six. Um, it's also using the FTDI chipset, which is extremely reliable um, and high quality. It's got drivers for every operating system. Um, so if you're trying to connect to some old equipment or maybe you just want uh, to get your Palm Pilot up and running again with your um, you know, M1 MacBook Pro, uh, this cable will definitely do the job. I'm going to tell everyone this is the new uh, lightning cable from Apple. Yeah. I'm going to just like, I'm going to, uh, it's called drop lifting. I'm going to put this in the Apple store. Yeah. And just say like. We have to get a, we have to get a white one. New, yeah, new, um, new lightning cable. Okay, next up. Okay. Next up, uh, by request, JP wanted us to get some good looking knobs. Yeah. So we uh, got so we some good looking a few different knobs. colors. And this is just the top view. Top. So we've got gold is best. Gold is best. Cherry red. Yeah. Um, blue steel. Silver Fox. Is that what we're calling it? Yeah. Yeah. And Adafruit Black. Uh, so five colors. These are uh, machined, uh, solid chunk, anodized aluminum, knurled knobs. Um, they feel great. They're 20 millimeters wide. I'll show them on the overhead. Uh, by 15 millimeters tall. Um, they have a set screw, if you go to the next image. Just yeah, to I was going to say, that's kind of yeah, like the screw. best part of these. Yeah, so the reason that it's great that they have a set screw is that the inside, as you go to the image here um, the inside is a six millimeter uh, drilled out core with a set screw which means that you can use it with rotary encoders or potentiometers or really anything like that uses a six millimeter shaft which is kind of standard um, whether it's D T18 or round shaft and then um, you just use the set screw to set it uh, so it's kind of a universal potentiometer rotary encoder knob. I mean, these are great. You know, they're, these are sometimes using very nice, um, you know, guitar pedals or, or guitar mods or synthesizers, but I think they just are a very high quality knob and I like to have nice knobs. Sometimes just it, that finish really makes your project stand out. So I can show these on the overhead. Yeah, go for it. 
I'll keep showing these photos until you, so, you get there. Then you're there. Okay. Okay, so, wait, sorry, so it's gold, silver, blue, and then the red one. Okay. Um, so, yeah, these are, so now you can see the scale because you've got my uh, fingers. Yeah, in hum the way. a human hand. Human hand, and then I also have a potentiometer. So, this is like a T18 knob. Um, so, you can see here um, the set screw. Uh, so this fits in, you know, nicely. You adjust it the way you want. And then um, this is a two millimeter uh, hex wrench. You just crank it down, finger tight. And then now uh, you've got a nice knob with an indicator. Uh, this one has a black paint, but the rest one are, are white paint. And they, yeah. they look really cool and they're beautiful. Um, they're anodized, so they're, they're durable. Um, and they've come in these beautiful jewel tone colors. So thanks, JP, for recommending them. All right, the star of the show tonight, besides you, Lady Ada, our community, our customers, our Adafruit team, and everyone who helps make this thing go is? A new breakout, the PCF 8574. Um, so this is a, a QT breakout for an I-squared C GPIO expander. Um, you know, if you've been watching our shows, we can't get the MCP 28 uh, sorry, 23017 or 08 series GPIO expanders. I love them, but they're not available. So I thought I'd expand my, you know, outlook and find some alternatives. So the PCF8574 is a low cost expander uh, from TI and it's available, which is the most important thing. It's got eight pins. Uh, you can control it over I squared C. Um, one nice thing about it is it has um, three address pins on the mm -hmm. back. You want this one? Yeah, on the back. So you can have up to eight of these connected. The default address is OX20 hex, but you can have eight. So that's like 64 total GPIO. Um, it's got STEM QT, so it's plug and play. Um, so what's interesting about this chip, I do want to mention because it took me like a few minutes to grok what's going on. Um, it's extremely simple. There's drivers for like, we wrote drivers for Arduino and CircuitPython, but honestly, it's a, such a common expander. Um, you're gonna find drivers for, for almost any platform. Um, you basically read and write just eight bits directly to the I squared C address, and there's no specific direction pin. So what you're used to with most IO expanders is you have a direction and then you can also set pull-ups. Um, so you have the input and then the input you know, can be high or low or the output high or low, um, and then you can add pull-ups as well. So this chip doesn't do that. Instead, it, it actually has two modes. So each IO can either be an input with a very weak pull-up, about 100K, or an output that's syncing current. And what that means is that um, it basically can act as a bi-directional I.O. If you want it to be an input, you turn it on with that weak pull-up, and then you can, you know, by default it reads high, and if the whatever signal is sent low, um, you read low. And uh, if it's floating, it reads high. Um, so if you have a button, for example, I'll show this on the overhead, so I, I have two IOs here because this is actually the, the most confusing is buttons and LEDs. Um, note that I didn't have a resistor with the LED because I'm just, um, I'm being cheap and, and fast here. Um, so the button goes between ground and the IO number one. Um, you cannot connect a button from an IO pin to high. There's no such thing as, the, as a pull down. There's only this light built in pull up. Um, but when I, uh, press this button, it can detect that I'm shorting the input to ground. Um, and then what it'll do is the code running in Arduino on this cutie pie, reads that through I squared C and then writes P7 to be that output low. So if you want to read an input, you basically have a built-in pull up, light pull up. If you want to drive an LED, like something that's really syncing current, the LED has to be connected from positive you know, uh, the, the anode to positive and then um, common cathode. So you ground the LED to turn it on. If you try to connect this LED from the output pin to ground, there's, there's no such thing as sourcing current. You can only sync current. Um, it only matters again with an LED. You can only connect it from high to the GPIO, not the other way around. And a button, you can only use that built-in light pull-up. If you're using signal, like you're using this to uh, trigger a reset pin or, um, you know, uh, communicate with another, another digital circuit, um, that light pull up will always, you know, signal a high voltage 
and um, turning it to an output low will signal low voltage. So as long as the input impedance of whatever digital circuit you connect it to is um, greater than 100K, which is you know almost everything that does digital circuitry other than very old TTL logic, um, this will work just fine. It's just, it's just a bit of a funkiness. You can think of it basically as a um, open drain IO expander. That said, it works quite well as long as you're just aware of the, the button and LED um, situation, you know, the, the way you have to hook them up. Um, it's extremely fast because there's only one register uh, and, uh, you know, it works with a wide range of voltages and a wide, wide range of I squared C frequencies. And that's new products. And that is new products. New, 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 new. Okay, so don't forget the code is expander, and we're gonna answer some questions. Please go over to Discord. I've got the ones lined up that you've already put in the chat, but we're gonna do some top secret, and then we're gonna go over there. Okay. We've got a couple things from top secret. Get this is in from this is on? from a couple this is from a couple days ago. So um, yeah. I hope you remember them um, because you made them. Oh, okay. So this is the TCA 9584. So we already have a, a breakout for this. Um, that doesn't have STEMIQT, but we've had enough people ask us for STEMIQT. Um, and also I had the idea of um, having a logic level shifter so you could connect this to like an UNO and then the client's, you know, peripheral I2C devices could be three volts instead of, uh, you know, whatever, five volts. So I thought that could be kind of useful. Okay. Um, so it's a little basic breakout with uh, eight QT ports. Next up. Uh, next up, like I mentioned, uh, the MCP23017 is really hard to get. Um, but the SX1503, which we showed off on a great search a couple weeks ago, is not hard to get. It's available. It's also 16 GPIO. Um, couple trade-offs. There's no address select. Um, and there's only one IRQ. But it has a kind of a funky um, voltage level shifting capability, uh, which allows you to... Um, when you're doing the IO expansion, you can uh, use it to I interface with like f as low as 1.8 volts or as high as 5.5 volts and it's five volts safe, you know, but also again, for a lot of people just using it for buttons and LEDs, it should, uh, it'll work very similar to the MCP 23017. So uh, I designed a very similar breakout board, almost the same size. And that's top secret this week. We got more next week. We have a backlog of top secrets. So, so many. You'll see them soon. Okay. So we're going to go over to Discord. Uh, just a little reminder, we're up to 35,000 people. Thank you, everybody. A lot of people like to share their project and smarts with one another in a cool, safe place, like our Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Okay, so Lady Ada, I have some of the questions lined up. Uh, so yeah. And then this week, I have a thing I think might help you out, because some of these questions... I'm just reading the stuff off the screen, so you can you can do this. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so if you want to repeat some of it, I'll, wow, I'll, get, I'll get the word I'll get the word out. But uh, technology. This is from ISO 213. I have a thermistor. You missed out with eight wires, two for 24 volt AC, two for ground, five volt DC, and then the other four wires are paired signal and ground. Both temperature and humidity. How would you go about determining the protocol used on the signal wires? With eight wires, two for signal. Sorry, for ground and DC. So there, you know the power wires. And then the other four wires are paired to signal and ground from both the temperature and humidity. Um, it's probably um, 4 to 20 milliamp current, which I've actually never really interfaced with. Um, but it's called 4 to 20, 4-20. Uh, and that's probably how it's actually sending, like, a constant current signal. Uh, so it's a little bit uh, protected against, you know, noise in the voltages. Um, so it's probably syncing or sourcing that current, and then you'll need to uh, use a converter to convert that into a voltage. But that's just a total guess. You might also just type in your uh, thermistor humostat uh, part number and see if other people have interfaced with it. Okay. Uh, this one is a kudos the mag tag. Deep sleep works so well, it's mind-blowing. Yes. Okay. Uh, please, please, please tell me that you'll make a breakout for this s 357 one zero M timer. Yeah, I did I design one. Well, I'll, I'll, I haven't finished routing it, but I did do a, a quick uh, design for one. Okay. I think it's cool. You know, they, it is a really interesting, cool chip. Only thing to watch out for is, you know, I made it stem at QT, but you always need to connect the I squared, the reset and interrupt line. So it's not like it's, you know, you still have to connect some more wires. It's not fully, uh, okay. you know, all in one. The other question was, yep, you want to break out. Um, also, uh, 
Adafruit library for simple code scripting. And how about a second breakout that goes to a MOSFET so you can connect and toggle higher power devices if that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, oh, that's the like other high... way is for interrupt. Yes. Um, you could do, yeah, I can see, maybe I can figure out a way to, to fit that into the PCB as is. Okay, and then for the eight port I2C expander, um, it says uh, it'd be great for projects like Adafruit IO and Whippersnapper. And then someone said, wouldn't the pull-up make it glow faintly? No, it's very weak. Okay. Really, I tried. It's like, it's an ultra, ultra weak IO. It's a very interesting, weird chip. I'm like, did you really to save that much money? You couldn't put like another register in, but this is how they designed it. That said, it really does work. Yeah. It does work as long as you're aware of this weirdness. Okay. And then I saw you uh, had a Pico Metro, Pi Pico Metro. Do we have a GitHub repo for that yet? No, it's... That would be, it's not out yet, don't ask. Oh my God, there's so much stuff that's not done. Okay. There is a lot. You know, it's hard because you, you work on a design and we can't manufacture it because there's just like one, like even if you get 99 parts for it, one of the parts is not around, so then you have to move on to the next one. The next well, one, it's next also, one. we have so many, you know, we have 400 plus products that we've already made and I want to make yeah. sure that those are still stocked. So it's like, it's... It's tough because I'm constantly updating, like every day, every week, I'm revising and updating products to make sure that we can continue to stock them. And as we're doing this, like suppliers are going out of business or they're discontinuing things or they, yeah. we order something and they say they're gonna ship it and they don't ship it. And then like we're waiting and like, This Ugh. ain't for the faint hearted. Hardware is getting hard, everybody. Yeah. The days of just ordering stuff and it showing up next day are over. They may never return. Um, but we'll get through it. Um, we thank everybody for supporting us during all this we have, and we have being nods. patient. Um, DJ Devin three says the MagTag has been running um, for 32 days now. Still, still, still going strong. Yeah, no, the, the MagTag I, I did. Days. I did design the MagTag to be um, incredible. Low power. I don't have anything that works for 30 or 40 days. I don't even work for 30 I'll or 40 say, days. I'll say, it's another thing that's interesting is you know the designs that I used to do were not low power because I personally just never cared about low power and it was just like well I'm just like let's just get the design done and then people started to care a lot about low power stuff which which I get it's there's more IoT it makes sense. Yeah, then we get that um, cool power monitor thing. And I got you know power monitor and but so you'll see a lot of, you know and I started just like I'm like okay I'll just gonna learn how to do it so I made a couple of mistakes on the way, but I've learned like a lot of tricks on how to do low power stuff. So all of like the feathers and w the Watch our pies. shows, we actually show people. Yeah, I've, I've really revised, uh, you know, how, like as I've, another thing is as I'm doing board revisions because of part shortages, I'm like, well, if I'm in there anyways, I'll get things around and I'll also make it a lower power design. Okay, um, well that's the questions and that's our show for tonight, everybody. Thank you so much. We're kind of exhausted, we're gonna get out of here. Um, but just a reminder, the code is expander. Um, like it's a 10% off in the Adafruit store. Don't forget, you get all this free stuff as you check out. And uh, don't forget to authenticate your account. Uh, special thanks to Zay and the Adafruit Slack who's running things behind the scenes. Thank you, Zay. We'll see everybody next week. Thanks for uh, making this a lot of fun and uh, having something for all of us to look forward to, to do each week. So we'll see everybody next week. This has been an Adafruit production. Here is your moment of Zener. We'll Thanks, see you next everybody. week, everybody. Thank you. Good night.